Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm pretty well, hey. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, good. Pretty, pretty good. Well, pretty yeah. well. Uh-huh. And what about you? You had a amazing. bit of a yawn just before we started. <laughs> absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. Good. I don't know why. That's but absolutely. That's I, Well, I can think of lots of reasons why, but... Give me some. Well, just God is good and uh-huh. God is alive and God is living and uh-huh. he's here on this earth. He lives in my heart. He lives in heaven. What's the most recent thing that you've been like, man, Jesus, thank you for this specific thing? Oh, well, well I see, I had a whole list from last oh, week. I, give me some. Life is in the details. Life is in the details. <laughs> Everything. No. So I mean, we 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 went away for our anniversary. Yeah. It was just the best. Yeah, that's you know, awesome. we, it was so relaxing. We we slept in. Oh, you're just going wild here, Lyle. Absolutely. <laughs> you have no idea. It was just off the charts. This is something that breakfast radio hosts just sort of don't really get to do. Never do. No. Yeah. We slept in. We relaxed. We went for a walk by the water. We just. Enjoyed the simple things in life. Mm, so And good. we were super blessed to be able to do so. That's awesome. Very, very privileged. And so we ate some amazing food and we met some – we met these coolest people. Um, There's a little itty-bitty sort of restaurant that you would hardly call a restaurant. It's got like <laughs> three tables out the front and it's mostly takeaway. Yeah. And there's a little old Chinese couple running or Asian couple, I don't know, but – <laughs> the Asians, and it was just like they're the most friendliest people, big smiles on their faces, took care of you, knew the names of all of the locals that were coming in. So good. Oh, it was just epic. Those and are the fun the people food to food was kind of cheap and reasonable and not expensive. It's really, just, you just feel blessed when you meet people like that. Just a win all around, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Best ever. No, that's so good. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's talk about positively different news. Yeah. Make so, happy. Yeah. Okie dokie. So Indigenous Amazon leader, ooh, Nemonte Nemkimo, I'm going to say, uh, she has won the world's foremost award for grassroots environmental activism for her organisation work to save Ecuador's forests. So I've heard a bit about stuff going on over there for a while, but I don't, I don't really pay attention. What you find in these developing countries is that typically your, um, your big industrial countries, you know, China's probably the worst offender mm. at the moment. They just come in, they just go in and they just, they'll just, they'll just rape the whole country. They'll just do what they want, yeah. They'll just, they'll just clear felt absolutely everything yep. in sight. I've seen this happening in developing countries. They'll come in with money in one hand and they'll say, we're going to build, you know, airports mm. and roads and infrastructure and all this kind of stuff. But so long as we can just have all of your natural resources. Yeah. And countries that really have no infrastructure, they look around the world and, you know, we'd like to have, a, you know, series of freeways things. and some fancy airports like they have in Australia or the United States or Europe or somewhere. And their countries just get destroyed as a result. Yeah. Absolutely destroyed. Yeah. And and so that's like this woman, I think she's, she's 33 or something, so she's, well... I don't think it's that old. Um, <laughs> it's not that far. I'm She's closer to the than uh, 15. <laughs> but, yeah, so she, her leadership has basically yeah, earned her a golden, in, a Goldman, sorry, environmental prize, which is basically known as the Green Nobel. Hadn't heard of it until now. But she's led an Indigenous campaign and legal action that's resulted in the court ruling which protects 500,000 acres in the Amazon forest from oil companies. As you said, okay. they have been coming in and just 
kind of wanting to take they up. Want. Yep, that's right. And um, so there are only about 5,000 Wairani people today, which is kind of her group, and they are traditional hunter-gatherers in the pristine rainforest that overlaps with the Yusani National Park. Um, some people have said that there's more you know, variety of species than anywhere in the world. I don't know. That could just be speculation. Probably. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's It is the Amazon rainforest. Exactly. In a way, that place is still quite untouched, um, in some areas at least. Uh, and, yeah, so since the, since the 1960s, oil exploration, logging and road building, as you said, Lyle, has already had a serious impact on Ecuador's forests and the indigenous people and culture. So oil companies have dumped waste into local rivers and contaminated the land. This has led to a massive public health spike in disease and miscarriage. Uh, as I said, Nankimo is 33 and a mother of a four-year-old. She's a co-founder of the Cybo Alliance, which is in order to fight – with a digital campaign targeting potential investors saying our rainforest is not for sale. I, th- I find it really interesting. So she's proactively helped communities maintain independence from bribes. So it's, it's one thing to kind of get up there and protest something and go, no, we don't want that. But sometimes the application of, okay, so if we want you to not come in, what can we put in place that allows the people to not have to accept those bribes, etc.? And so one of some of the things she's done, she's worked at installing rainwater harvesting systems and solar panels. She supported women-led organic cacao and chocolate production businesses. She's secured training for some of the youth um, as filmmakers at, to document the activism. And so she's kind of ended up being this really significant figure in bridging the worlds of Indigenous and Western people. Um, she's brought together elders and youth, and she's united really distinct Indigenous tribes that were once really divided. All of that is actually pretty hard work, I would imagine. Um, and I was thinking about this actually in the context of, you know how sometimes you can see a need but you're like, I don't know how to feel that, I'm just one person. But at the same time you have people like this who come in and, yeah, they're just one person, but they just see that there's something that needs to be done and they go, okay, we don't maybe have all the resources but we'll find a way to do it. Let's, We need to connect the people so we can stand stronger together. Let's do that. Um yeah, I think that's a really incredible thing. Absolutely. I mean, we Always see in good. church how hard it is to unite people who are from yes. the same culture, relatively speaking, you know. We sometimes are pretty divided, so for her to bring pretty distinct groups together, that's, um, yeah, go her. Yeah, and, and groups that have a history of, uh, yeah, not being united. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in another story, okay, just take us with the granite. It sounds a little bit grim, possibly. I think it's quite interesting. So a 26-year-old Dutch man is a biodesigner, and he has created a coffin made entirely of fast composting mushroom fibres that will increase the health of the soil in the years that follow. So the science is pretty simple. Mycelium, I want to say, is a part of the mushroom we don't see, so the fibrous network that makes up most of the life form, and it constantly converts waste products, so oil, plastic, metals, etc., into nutrients for the environment. This mycelium is grown around a coffin-shaped figure, and the idea is that we become nutrients of the earth instead of waste. Uh, so for a conventional coffin, it has artificial cloth fibres, laminated wood and metal components, all that fun stuff. That takes years to break down. For these mushroom, I don't know, cocoons, it's estimated to only take a maximum of about two to three years. Currently the coffins cost about um, $1,300-ish, which, like, Funerals, coffins, they're all pretty expensive. But Bob Hendricks, who is the creator, hopes to bring that cost down um, as the interest increases. 
The parent company of this technology, Loop, has been conducting research on the impact of the human body decomposition on soil quality because they're hoping it will provide uh, nutrients that is ben- that is beneficial to the environment. And Hendrix also wants to harness the power of mycelium, which has been shown to be able to make canoes, uh, to then go on to make more sustainable furniture and other goods. So I just think this is super interesting. Like coffins made out of mushroom, essentially, is what I hear when I read that. Hey, best use of mushrooms ever. Well, hey, yeah, why not? Absolutely. I just feel like I just feel like mushroom has taken off. Like you know how it's been hemp for a while. Everyone's been like, oh, hemp clothing, hemp, da da, or bamboo. This now we've got mushrooms. Yeah, bamboo came before hemp, didn't it? Bamboo was yeah. famous like yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, well, go mushrooms. That's a good Absolutely. use of mushrooms. Absolutely. Better than eating them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's talk about some more challenging news. Uh, let me go to, let me just find this here. Where did I put it? I put it right here. So uh, let's talk about the abuse of human rights in Victoria mm. uh, by the Daniel Andrews government. The, um, the Human Rights Law Alliance has put out a analysis of the anti-conversion bill. And they've raised some interesting issues because this bill actually breaches the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities Mm. in quite a number of different places. And they've highlighted some of those. Uh, And so we do need to talk about them. The conversion bill goes gives unequal protection to persons promoting a single controversial practice in relation to issues of sexual orientation and and gender identity. It discriminates in favour of gender transition treatments that involve experimental, chemical and hormone treatments and invasive surgical practices. So the first, you know, to, that's sort of more legal language, but basically uh, you're allowed to get counselling for a change of gender, mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to get counselling for staying the same gender. Mm-hmm. And that's a violation of human rights. Okay, second one, the disproportionate protection of gender transition treatments in the conversion bill fails to to protect children from being exposed to the dangerous effects of these procedures at a time when they're incapable of giving informed consent. This should be something that children are never allowed to do. Yeah. Because a child is not capable of giving informed consent. If they're not cha- capable of giving informed consent, if they're not capable of uh, you know, drinking alcohol and so many other things that children are not capable of, they are certainly not capable of giving consent to have a gender change. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? We have so many laws, like as you said, you know, whether that's drinking or getting a licence or all of these other stuff yeah. because we're like, you're still well, the age young. of consent for, you know, having sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and then we take something and it's like, oh, yeah, no, feel free, do what you want. I'm like, hey. And this is really, really full on, you know, chemical and surgical procedures to change your gender. Huge. The implications of that are massive. The suicide rate of people who change their gender is the highest suicide rate of any people group on earth. Hmm. And you're going to like, yeah, kids, go ahead. You can make that decision. Children are qualified for that. Uh, Let me see here. Next point. Parents and others may be criminalised where a journey outside of Victoria is considered to be intended for change or suppression practices to be directed towards a person. This is a limitation on freedom of movement. Uh, so, yeah, if you go outside of Victoria because you want a different form of counselling than what is allowed in Victoria because you want some, you know, some basic freedoms, then you're not allowed to go outside of Victoria to get that. That's, you know, 
you're locked into Victoria. Uh, the family has the right not to be interfered with arbitrarily. The conversion bill will allow unjustifiable interference with this right to privacy, enabling the state to police communications between a parent and child. That's crazy. You know, as you say, this makes make Stalin blush. So you really... Look, don't get me wrong, I think there's some really terrible parents out there in the world, but it also takes away the ability to parent. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, of course it's terrible. We, we're mm. all familiar with that. Um, any teaching by parents to children of body affirmation beliefs or the teaching of orthodox religious beliefs on sexual, sexual orientation or gender identity uh, could be a criminal um, change or suppression practice. Mm. Uh, parents and teachers may be restricted from sharing and imparting information ideas about sexual orientation and gender identity. And finally, the potential criminalization of parents and guardians for providing moral and ethical teaching and formation of a child on sexual orientation and gender issues may breach the fundamental rights of the family. So this is some pretty heavy stuff that's going on down in Victoria. You need to know what's going on. While we're talking about heavy things, let's flick over to South Australia. I'm sort of catching up a little bit on events that took place uh, while I was taking a short break, some you know heavy stuff happening there. And so let me just uh, head over there real quick. Where were we in South Australia? Uh, so the Upper House has passed the abortion to birth bill and along oh, yeah. with that they have passed abortion for gender selection. What? So this is basically, and, and, and here's the weird thing, because the, you know, the whole abortion thing is being pushed by feminists. Yeah. Right? And gender selection always kills girls. Yeah. Gender selection abortion, we know yeah. that that is all about killing baby girls. That's so interesting to me that that would come in because, I mean, I know there are different cultures where there's a real emphasis on... In Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Can you believe that would happen in Australia? Yeah, because I know there are other countries where, culturally speaking, there's these beliefs held, but I'm like, in Australia... This this shows that in Australia we have a, a, a portion of society and a portion of government that is so blinded by their ideology that they will declare war on baby girls. Just trying to think, like maybe you know maybe it would go the opposite because we don't have, you know, such a strong cultural thing about girls or males, you know, like as in No, not at all. This is this is going to be something that is going to be taken advantage of by those cultures that are living in Australia oh, that oh, favour boys. Right, yeah. That's yeah, what's going to happen. Um, and you know, these are these are people who are so blinded by the ideology we must have the right to kill a baby for any reason we want. You know, you, you read, you read, okay, let me read to you from the bill. Uh-huh. In later terminations, either an induction of labour or surgery will be used. So this is, you know, abortion to birth. Mm. If induction of labour is the chosen method of termination, the most usual outcome in this situation is that the baby will be, will be stillborn. In this instance, palliative care is offered. The baby born uh, is wrapped in a blanket and the mother is given the opportunity to hold the baby as it dies. <gasps> in some instances, oh. in late termination, fe- feticide is undertaken, which means the baby will be stillborn. Now, can you imagine, you know, depression for abortion mothers is universal. Mm. 
Can you imagine what a mother would go through who's chosen to have an abortion for the rest of her life having gone through that experience? That's Oh, that's so it's messed like, up. We've killed this baby. It's in the process of dying. You can hold it. While it dies. Have a little cuddle. Oh, that's terrible. It's chilling stuff. This is really chilling stuff. This is this is just ice cold. And it, and it shows it, it shows that there is a thing such as pure evil mm. that exists in our world today and exists at the highest levels of government. We are voting for this in a civilised, a supposedly civilised... This is dark ages. This is caveman right. stuff. This is the thing we go, oh, Australia, it's all good. And yeah. I'm like, don't get me wrong, we're still blessed. But this, and this what kind it does, of stuff is And what it does in. is it shows the character of Satan because Satan hates his own. And Satan only wants death and he wants as much death as he can. And when he gets a control of a person, it's not about saving life. It's like, where can we find another opportunity to create death? Yeah, to destroy someone, yeah. That's how Satan is and that's how Satan works. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Well, at this time of uh, our, our Faith FM cycle, we should normally have Kent Kingston from Signs of the Times to come and tell us about the latest edition of Signs of the Times. He is not available. In fact, he's moved on to another job, and so we are welcoming Daniel Kubrick. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So we are super excited to have you come and talk to us about Signs of the Times this morning. Daniel, how long have you been working for Signs of the Times, and what is your role there? So it's been it's been two and a half years, I think. Uh, I actually moved to Sydney to work with Science Magazine. I'm originally from Adelaide. Uh, from my understanding, there's actually a lot of people who listen to your show in Adelaide. So hello to all those guys. Uh, big shout out to all, to all of our Adelaide listeners this morning. Yeah, go guys. That's right. Yeah. So I moved up here two and a half years ago. Sort of have been assistant editor of the magazine, sort of managing the Australian and New Zealander side. Um, more so, and then you know, since um, since Kent's departure, it's been sort of my job to manage the magazine. So, yeah, but my my job is to be the assistant editor of the magazine. Sure, and uh, while there is no main editor, you are the you're the man. So you're the man we're talking to, which is uh, just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about? Uh, the latest edition of Signs. What can we what can we read about in the latest edition? We there are always so many fascinating stories. Just love the topics that you guys choose. Yeah, that's right. So like, I'm sure you've you've talked about it quite a bit already. Uh, this year has been a very difficult one, a weird one. Let's just put it that way. And um, so as a result, um, usually for our December Signs of the Times magazine, we have a whole bunch of Christmas stuff in there. And uh, usually our magazine is, you can find it in all sorts of different places. Like, for example, there's a bunch of Christmas Road to Bethlehem programs that are run at Christmas time. Now, the thing is, unfortunately, this year, a lot of those programs aren't running anymore because because of the COVID situation, because of social distancing, limits on events and that sort of thing. But... Um, and a lot of we, those programs, decided, you know, a lot of those programs take a year to put together, and so of course, you know, you can't plan a year a year in advance when COVID is floating around, can you? Yeah, exactly, and and that's really really disappointing for a lot of people who are keen to get out there and and sort of finish the year off on a on a sort of a high note, a note where you have family and where you can refocus. 
But look, we thought, look, you can do that anyway from the comfort of your home. So we've we've packed a whole bunch of Christmas stuff into our signs magazine for this month, um, which hopefully will be comf- like enjoyable from the comfort of one's own home. Um, so, for example, even though Christmas is sort of going to be potentially different this year, I mean, you know, at the moment, most borders are open in Australia, but it's potentially, you know, you never know how these things go. They might change or whatever. So, you know, like whether or not you see your family or friends or whether they're going to be in a different state. Um, but there are some common elements to Christmas. For example, uh, the fact that there is shops are still going to be open. People are going to be out buying presents. So we kind of kick off our cover article for the this month's Science Magazine with an article by Nathan Brown, which is about God's generous Christmas gift. Now, most people think of when people think of a Christmas gift, they think of, oh, let's go to the shops and buy something, wrap it up, and you know. But there's stress associated that with that because it's like, oh, I have to, you know, cover off a present for all of my friends. I have to spend so much money. I'm busy cleaning the house. I'm busy preparing this. Um, Nathan's article is about, you know, um, yes, there is a consumerism aspect to Christmas where we're so busy focused on buying presents, but there is a gift greater than all of that, which is the gift of Jesus' birth. Now, that's like, you know, you often hear the expression, the reason for the season. It's really nailing down what is that reason for the season? Why is Jesus' birth such a gift? I mean, we, we full-on sp- spend a whole month preparing for Christmas. It's such a significant efe- event, and yet sometimes we just we don't think about why do we do that? And, you know, it's really refocusing on why that is so that's that's sort of the cover article for the magazine but we also have a whole bunch of awesome stuff in there so for example one of my friends jessica kraus uh, she's a law student from uh, newcastle university and she wrote us an awesome article about how her and her friends when she was studying at avondale university college they were they had this assignment that their tutor gave them uh, which was hey um you, you guys need to start a project and her and her group were sort of stumped for ideas, but they came up this, with this awesome idea. Hey, how about we start an advocacy project for domestic violence victims in Papua New Guinea? Now, I didn't even know this until Jess gave us this article, but domestic violence is a huge issue in Papua New Guinea. Yes. Very, very big issue. So much so that uh, 20% of uh, women in one region of Papua New Guinea will have rape as their first sexual experience. Now, I don't know about you, Lyle, but that is that is a very sobering statistic. So what Jess and her group did was they partnered with an aid organization called ADRA that your viewers may have heard of, and uh, they decided to raise money uh, to create this project called They Are Not Alone. Now, this Lyle, this was just supposed to be a uni assignment, right? Right. But even after her grades were finished and, and she moved on to another university, um, this program continued – and by 2019, it raised $100,000. And they, they were able to build a safe house in Papua New Guinea as a result of that money. That's phenomenal. So, I, I mean, you've got yeah, a situation absolutely. here where, where the teachers basically said, okay, go do a project, you know, um, and you kind of think, well, well, that's the kind of thing that, you know, we'll do a project during the semester because we're going to get a pass for this particular class. But now years down the track and it's still going, it raised a hundred thousand dollars that's a big effort from uh something that starts off basically as a school project 
Yeah, that's right. And I, I talked to, to Jess recently on Signs of the Times Radio, which is also played on Faith FM. Uh, and she, she told me that, like, none of them thought they could possibly raise this amount of money uh, when they originally started the project. It was, it was an assignment. So, you know, they were trying to do their best. And, but, like, by the end of it, it just became something so much more, which is just an incredible, incredible story. And I really encourage um, our listeners to, to read that piece. Um, but along with that, we have a whole bunch of other stuff that could be relevant for Christmas. So, for example, we have an article dealing with holiday sadness. It's called Blue Christmas Tips for Dealing with Holiday Sadness. So, you know, Christmas, as much as we often associate it with, you know, family and friends, um, there are a lot of people out there where Christmas is actually the loneliest time of the year, which is also a very sad thing to, to hear Um and so we sort of, we, we have um, an article from one of our writers, Victor Parachin, who writes about um, some steps that you can take to sort of um, prepare yourself for that and how to like manage that. So that was really awesome of him to write that. Um, we also have another Christmas article, so many of them. Yeah, before you go on to that next one, one I just of, wanted to comment on the last one. A, uh, a local pastor yep. here um, did a recent survey to find out you know, how many people are lonely at Christmas time. And the ratio that he has found in the Lower Hunter region is about one in four. So Whoa. when you think about that, that's some really, really big part, big, a very, very large demographic is one in four people that are lonely at Christmas time. So, yeah, stop and think about that. And, um, you know, if you've got something happening on Christmas Day, open up your house, invite people along. Make it an open house. Make it something, you know, do something on Christmas Day to alleviate loneliness because we all have an opportunity to do so. And if you are lonely on Christmas Day, then, well, hey, grab Science Magazine. Great article there. We'll help you out. How not <laughs> to be right. lonely. All right, what was the next one you're going to yeah, talk about there, right. uh, Daniel? You had something, another article? Yeah, so we have we have also another article, and this one's more for, for families, especially parents who have kids. Um and obviously, uh, parents at this time of the year, I don't know about you, Lyle, but it, it gets really busy, right? And, and you're yes. thinking about a thousand different things that you have to do, right? So we had Melody write us an article about six ways to entertain your kids this Christmas for next to nothing. Now, um, I, like I don't know that. about you, Lyle, I'm not a parent, so you tell me how it is. But um, apparently, that is a very, very exciting proposition for any parent to be able to entertain your kid for next to nothing, well, the great thing about having Christmas in the Southern Hemisphere is you can go to the beach and the beach is always free. That's right, yeah. You live in the Northern Hemisphere, you go to the beach and it's going to be covered in snow, uh, which is not going to be so much fun. Maybe you can take them ice skating, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, there's so many good things right. you can do on Christmas Day with your kids that are free or in the lead up, you know, across the Christmas break. And I'm like, hey, make the most of it. Yeah, that's right. And there's, like, I don't know about you, Lyle, but... Um for example, my friends and I, this weekend, we're going to go, uh, and this is a free thing that Melody mentioned as well, we're going to go and just suss out some streets that have epic Christmas lights. So, I mean, some of the streets in Sydney, they really, they just go to town. They, yes. <laughs> you go, you can see the street from like three kilometers away. It's just shining brightly and they have Save all these awesome space. activities. Yeah, that's right. You can see it on a satellite, <laughs> lasers and stuff, um, epic moving, you know, displays in the front of their homes. So... I mean, that's a free thing. All you need to do is pay for fuel to get there, really. <laughs> that's right. And 
every year that goes by, they get more and more spectacular because the technology becomes a little bit better and a little bit cheaper. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, I, don't, I don't know how it is around where you live, Lyle, but um, my neighbours are already getting ready with their Christmas displays. So um, <laughs> it's pretty exciting to see. I, I'm a keen photographer and videographer. So this is sort of the time of the year when we're really in our element with all these beautiful little lights everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, you're going to get some amazing photographs, I'm sure. I took some uh, Christmas light photography last week, was just uh, wandering around the centre of Sydney, actually, and there was oh, some pretty, awesome. pretty special uh, Christmas lights sort of strung up around the centre of Sydney. Yeah. We'll be keen for you to show me those photos at some point. <laughs> so this Christmas edition is uh, definitely a good one to grab. I think there's something there for everybody. Uh, have you got one more article you can share with us very quickly before we uh, run out of time? Yeah, that's right. I'll just mention one more thing. So we we also because um, Christmas is a time when a lot of people a lot of people joke about oh Christmas time after Christmas I'm you know I'm going to hit the gym again because Christmas Christmas is going to hit hard. Well, we just have an article about the rise of ultra-processed foods. Like, I don't know if you're going to be eating out or whatever during Christmas Day, but there's some awesome tips there about what sort of foods to avoid. I mean, um, you know, it, most people would be having dinners in their homes, but it's, there's like some good health tips about what sort of products to, to look for or maybe avoid when you're doing your, your Christmas food shopping. Um, but yeah, so we really did keep um, Christmas in mind uh, with this month's Signs of the Times, and we really hope it is um, relevant to a lot of people out there who who have needs, who are looking for advice, um, whether it be about the loneliness, whether about to be what to do with their kids, or whether or not they're just looking to refocus on what the reason for the season is. Yeah, absolutely, and of course. Uh we remember at Christmas time that this is about the birth of Jesus Christ, and uh, I actually like that last article that you mentioned there because you know, well, the great thing is with the rise of ultra processed foods, we also have the rise of the availability of some very natural foods as well. And you know, you go yeah, to you, you go to restaurants, and of course, a lot of people will do that. Maybe not on Christmas Day, but you know, in the lead up to and post Christmas Day, between Christmas New Year, you got family there, you're going to go to restaurants. Choose the healthy options. There's there is such a wide selection of healthy options that are available these days that it's absolutely fantastic. Daniel, very quickly, how do we get hold of Signs of the Times? We need to get this month's edition. So while Signs of the Times magazine, you can uh, find some of those articles already on our website, actually, which is signsofthetimes.org.au. Um, but um, we also encourage you to look for the print magazine because we have a whole bunch of stuff in the print magazine, extra sections, extra news snippets, um, extra like, well, obviously you, you experience the di design of the whole thing and you have it physically in your hand, which I don't know about you, Lyle, is like adds a lot of value. Yes. Um, but if, so if you'd like doesn't go a flat. copy of the physical... That's right, exactly. It doesn't go flat. Um, it's always going to be there. You can take it wherever you want when you go on your Christmas holidays. Um, if you want a physical copy of the magazine, there is a subscribe button on the top right corner of signsofthetimes.org.au. So click in there and you can choose um, how long you'd like a subscription for and those will be sent to you as soon as we can. So... That's the way you can get it on signsofthetimes.org.au and then click on the subscribe button. Daniel Kubrick from Signs of the Times, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.